0: The Doctor.
1: Virtual reality holds a key to the evolution of the human mind.
0: With a vision of the future.
1: I have a game in my house that you might like to play. Would you like that? Yeah? Hello and welcome to the Eurovision Song Podcast. Tonight we will be reviewing the final from Saturday and having some thoughts about what the winner was wait, like.
0: Wait, 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 what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, just
0: kidding. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Laps Gamer Podcast. That's more Tonight, like it. <laughs> yeah. Tonight, I am your host, Stuart Neal, and joining me from the team is Kev. Good evening, Kev. Evening. Our other special guest tonight is Andy Antonio uh, from Furry Tail Dragon. Hello, Andy. Hey. Hey. Hello. <laughs> it's lovely to have you on, Andy. Um, so sort a of very quick thing, uh, I, I don't can't even remember when I started conversing with you on Twitter and what have you, Andy, um, but we eventually actually physically met up um, at Raist. We did. And just sort of yes. a very quick hello, just because I knew you'd, you'd said you were going to be down there, even though you weren't exhibiting and what have you. And I was just down on the whistle-stop tour with the family, um, managing to spin uh, going to a gaming convention into a family holiday, which is probably <laughs> bonus points for me uh, from some people. It's a cunning plan. Well done. It is, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's my wife's fault. Um, I'd mentioned that it was on and she said, well, sure, we could go to London. And I'm thinking, yes. <laughs> cool. um, so yeah, I made the most of going to rest as well. and squeezing a ridiculous amount of games into what the five hours was there on Saturday. And uh, writing up a nice little review and everything of it. Um, you did amazingly so, well.
0: I read that review. I mean, I read that write-up and
1: uh-huh. how
0: did you do that much in five hours?
1: Yeah, two kids and a wife as well. Cocaine. <laughs> 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 I, I managed quite well. Although, funny story about that, um, we had the buggy in with us because we knew there was a little bit of walking and what have you to get to the um, tobacco docket where race was being hosted anyway. And so in one of the larger rooms, I think it was the sort of the general indie room, um, my wife had kind of parked the buggy over in a corner while we were sort of wandering around the place and whenever she got back to its security we were standing around it, worrying about it being a suspicious object (laughs) (laughs) so it was very close to actually losing the buggy but thankfully everything was okay Um, but yeah, I was amazed at the, the amount of things that's Um, I actually got to see and play as well. And uh, no, I think the the review for it went over very well too, um, which is really good. And uh, it's just the amount of people that said they were actually surprised at how many games and things are it raised. I think an awful lot of people really do consider it the sort of, you know, the very much the baby sister um, of EGX, and don't think it's anywhere half as well supported. Res is so is. good. REST is oh, always, yeah, always brilliant. so
0: good. Yeah, REST is my favourite show, to be honest. I mean, yeah. it, it's just phenomenal. You know, obviously it has a focus on indies, but it, it, you know, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. But uh, yeah, oh, it, it's just brilliant. I, I love the location. You know, the you know the types of games you get to play there, because everything's yeah. so experimental. I mean, EGX had a massive massive indie section
1: we spent basically the entire weekend there (laughs) yeah we did
0: (laughs) Res is just on another level and and the layout just just makes it so cool because you you find games in little nooks and crannies you know it's just that sense of discovery it's like the physical representation of steam you know you 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 know when you find a really cool (laughs) indie game on steam (laughs) <laughs> that's what it's like it's like you know it's like you found it in a little alcove and that's what tobacco dock is like
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's it was a fantastic location i loved it the only downside was the catering which was apparently really bad this year um thankfully we had seen a couple of tweets the night before and we decided to bring our own pack lunches and what have you but yeah as you say going into each of the different rooms and also knowing that you're basically not going to be talking to a pr person um at any of the stands you know you really are going to be talking to at least a representative of the company um or more than likely some Who's actually worked on it, um, you know, even the developers or the artists or whatever, and that was fantastic for me. and um, just actually getting to talk to people about them. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed Rest, it was great. Although, I do have the um EGX booked uh for this year again, so uh, that'll be coming up in what four or five months now. Four months,
0: oh, it's not long to go, is it? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's really not actually, it's coming around <laughs> very, very quickly. So let's get into the meat of the podcast. Andy, you are the owner and founder of Furry Tale Dragon Studios. Um, just tell us a bit more about yourself and um, the studio and what you're currently working on.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Furytale Dragon, um, We, I say I, I say, we a lot. I mean, I say we on the website as well. I mean, the, the company was founded. It was, It's myself and my wife. We are the founders of the company. <laughs> but, you know, I mean... Um, and you know, when I meet people at EGX and Rares et cetera, I, I tell them a bit about us, and, and they're um, you know they're surprised. It's basically just me working on it at the moment, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Because my uh, we've recently had a second little one, uh, and I say recently, she's almost a year old now in, in a week, mm-hmm. but you know, it flies um, by. Yeah, That's it really does, really does fly. <laughs> um, so so uh, you know, at the moment, it, it, it's it's pretty much me doing everything, and we're we're building to bit, bigger and better things um but how f- it's how ridiculous. i know i know it's tough it's tough it really is <laughs> for me at least it's it's time management it's trying to you know <laughs> get, you know get the keep the game going basically and uh trying not to make too many promises i can't keep because of it but um but yeah no fairy tale dragon um we're making a game called m and m is basically a psychological puzzle game in vr um so the idea is to make people feel uneasy uh play with their their senses a little bit um play with their expectations and um yeah mess with their brains a little bit and um, i took it to egx in september and it got a great response and essentially the reason i i took it i I took it a little earlier than most people would take a game to 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 a conference And and the reason for that was um well, I, I suppose it, it was a very expensive focus group, but it was a very good focus group. Um, it, it let me know that everything was kind of going along the right lines with the game, what was working, what wasn't working. Um, because it's something that's very different to anything else that's out there, uh, I wanted to know if there would be a market for it and how people mm. respond to it. And there were, there were a couple other things that I can't talk about at the moment because I, I want to make um, – Something different to a traditional, uh, to what you would consider a traditional release. So I want to release it in a non-traditional way initially, but I I won't talk too much about that because that goes back to making promises I can't keep. So uh, the plan is there, (laughs) but uh, let's see how it pans out. But but yeah, I mean, there's some really unique things, at least I think, in M. And uh, one of the ways um, we were getting people to the stand. Was uh, you know with our with our elevator uh, pitch was just saying you can pick up shadows and they turn into physical objects. Now I don't think any other games done that before. Um, so and, and that was part of the reason I wanted to take it to EGX. It's uh, to, to, to see right what do people think of this mechanic. You know it's um, you know shadows are almost ethereal, aren't they, in their nature, and mm-hmm. it could be a quite a hard sell to have a gameplay mechanic based around something that's not completely tangible it, it, it's very hard yeah. to guide people to to look for shadows that don't belong to anything because you mostly ignore shadows in your everyday life don't you but there you're in vr mm-hmm. and you're asking people to look for them so it, you know for, for shadows that don't belong to things that then start shaking and then you you pick them up telepathically like jedi mind trick and they tend to physical objects so um but no but the response was great and i've uh, got, got a t- ton of testimonials from people who who played it and loved it and you know, it, it's all ste- it's full steam ahead on M. Um, but yeah, um, going back to Fairy Tale Dragon. Um, so the the plan is, you know, to get M out there. But uh, the second project is already in its infancy. Uh, that's much more of a traditionally commercial product. Forototale dragon was founded because I found myself working i mean in the past i'd been a lecturer um i'd also worked uh in c g i visual effects animation uh as a generalist and done, done a bunch of different things and uh for one company, a great company in particular called the operators so you know check those check them out plug mm-hmm. plug you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but i i just got to the point where i was I was working relay hours I love the people I was working with, but it, that that type of industry you know demands long hours and I figured well if I'm working long hours anyway I may as well do it for myself and if I'm doing it for myself I may as well do what I love and my first love is games and, and also I wanted to spend more time with my kids because you know um, one of the great things is I, I, I am consciously and deliberately working I've set up a studio at home and that's um, you know financially that's you know that works really well so you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's part of the reason I'm not gonna lie yeah. <laughs> but, um, but the, you know, the other part of it is I get to see my kids, so even if I'm working longer hours, I get to take a little break here and there and just, you know, um, go and play with my kids for a little bit. Maybe play some Lego Marvel or, you know, Lego mm. Batman 2. Oh, which golden. Yeah, yep. Lego <laughs> Batman 1. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, yeah and, 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 that, and that's the reason. And that's how fairy Tail Dragon came to be. And um, yeah, and that's how M came to be. <laughs>
1: So, first obvious question would be why Furry Tail Dragon as a name?
0: Ah, interesting. Yes. Uh, when we were trying to work out what we wanted to do, I mean, I knew I wanted to work in the games industry. Uh, I knew I wanted to. I'd, I'd, I'd made games in the past here and there. Um, I mean, this is our proper. This is the first game that we're going to release to the public, to consumers. But I, I'd made the odd game here or there, um, mainly in Flash and Director way back when. Um, for you know for companies so things like christmas games and on you know easter and that kind of stuff but predominantly i mean mainly i wasn't in the games industry and you know i don't have a you know huge um history in the games industry but when we were starting to work out what we wanted to do we were initially looking at mobile games because at the time that was my life right and that was my wife's life we would go to work we'd play games on the tube you know on our phones Mm. and we'd hate all the games that needed connect uh, online <laughs> connectivity because we can <laughs> play them like sucks
1: yeah, i can name quite a lot <laughs> yeah and, and and also
0: our second one wasn't you know, born yet? Um, but I can't remember if we were planning for the second one or if my wife was pregnant. the Second one, but anyway. But the, our first one was still really young, and so we were thinking, well, maybe we can do some kids stuff. Maybe we can, you know, um, make some kids games, and we can tie it into a YouTube channel, and we can mm-hmm. cross market them, and you know, and, and have some fun with that because obviously I I I have a lot of experience making video, so we thought that might be a good idea, and we started dabbling with it, and it turned out well. We like we kind of liked it. But it was hard to see ourselves doing it in the long term. It may be something we go back to, but, it, you know, and, and also when we looked at the numbers, you know, for the mobile market, we we just thought, well, you know, <laughs> this is a race to the bottom. It's I mean, <laughs> yes, I mean, it yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, PC saturated, but mobile is just on another level, and it's you know. <laughs> it, so we decided not to go with the kids route, but we 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 had a name. We had we we hadn't registered it yet, but we really liked the idea of furry Tale Dragon because uh, when it was going to be kid stuff, it, you know that that lent itself really well to you know to to yeah to the way that works. Yeah. Now when we, yeah, when that we makes s- sense yeah exactly, yeah. Uh, and and the initial logo was actually a dragon with a furry tail and everything blah blah. blah. Um, now, Fairy furry, furry Tale Dragon. Um, also always had a second meaning um the second meaning is actually far more important it, what it's actually it's primary meaning if, I, if i'm honest but we, we we used it for the kids thing because it was suitable and people would never actually know what it really meant it's not it's not porn um I'll <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah very soon um i uh, you know i'll be saying what m is actually about and f- the name Fairy Tale dragon ties into that and it's something that's very personal to to myself and to my family but yeah sorry guys that, that was a really long-winded cryptic rambling answer yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> you're such a tease <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry
1: <laughs> although yeah i was gonna say you say it's not porn but what is it rule 34 rule 42 one of them
0: oh there's porn of everything isn't there yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that's, yeah that's, <laughs> that's the rule
1: basically yeah if it exists there's porn of it as well yeah yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> which which means somewhere uh, there's porn of this podcast
1: <laughs> 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 that's going to be a really dark alley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's not good on there. <laughs> So you said you had a background in sort of CGI and what have you and um, just sort of looking through uh, your LinkedIn profile there's sort of numerous things you've worked on. CGI artist, designer, visual, animation, simulations, uh, freelance digital. That was a lot artist, of fun actually. Even even a private Photoshop shooter as well. Oh that um, was many years ago yeah yeah many many yeah. years ago.
0: Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my, about my past and I think this is something that most more people should talk about but I've had a lot of problems that, in my younger years with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, it, it, when I was much younger, I had um, clinical, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and anorexia. And I was in my final years, uh, my final year of GCSEs. Um, thankfully I'd already done two a year early, but um, I basically had a bit of a breakdown and mm-hmm. I couldn't go to school anymore. Um, and I didn't. I, so, so I basically got to a stage where I couldn't leave the house for about three years I mean, I did occasionally to see kind of therapists and stuff and, you know, Mm But I, I found it so intimidating, so impossible. And I I think some people should talk about it. And it's probably apt that we talk about it now because it's the end of mental health awareness week. So yep. it was a really, really dark time. I wanted everything to end. I I, I couldn't bear life. I, I found it really difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean that's another statement. I shouldn't say I found it really difficult because it just makes undermines the whole thing. But yeah, I it was it it was impossible and I couldn't see any way out of it. And I could see all my friends who had been going to school with I mean they tried to keep in touch and I I could see their lives progressing forward and I, and I I had this dark fear that my life wouldn't go anywhere. And I've always been someone who likes to learn things and learn new things. And I think that's part of the reason why, and that dark period kind of it, I was stuck in the house and I started to, you know, just try and teach myself as much as I could of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, Partly a paranoia and, um, (laughs) uh, and yeah, and it, and it, and, and it's, I mean, I've always had that even before then, but that that kind of just accelerated it, and because I was so af- so definitely afraid of falling behind in just life in general, I wanted to. S- feel every waking moment learning something new basically and mm. and so i started to and probably ended up going forward and further than anybody else <laughs> well I, I don't know about that but uh, <laughs> i started dabbling in a lot of things and so i started to you know um learn how to repair and build pcs So i would always like to take things apart and um so i started you know, breaking things, and then I had to learn how to fix them. And then before that, I was fixing friends and family's computers. And then I started, and, and this is I don't think this bit's in my LinkedIn profile. But then I was I was actually repairing people's <laughs> PCs, um, setting up networks for local businesses, and that kind of stuff. And then through, uh, but I was also you know teaching myself because I was I've always been a creative person, so I've always I, I was teaching myself Photoshop and After Effects and stuff like that. And uh, someone whose computer I'd fix said, you know, oh yeah, I see you you've got Photoshop on your computer. They came to my house. because to to pick up their their computer and um, I said yeah yeah cool and I showed them some stuff and they were like well can you teach me and I was like well I guess so and then uh, it kind of one thing led to another and it became you know uh, you know a bigger thing the the reason I want to talk about that and is because I mean you brought up you know what I've done in the past but Hmm. I I, if anyone is listening to this and you're going through a dark time and you feel like there's there you know there's no hope and there's no way to get through it and your life is over already so there's no point trying just remember that tomorrow is another day um, and I know when you're going through that time it, it, it's almost impossible for someone to get through to you and d- to say anything that'll make you feel like there is hope but if I can reach one person and just say there is hope and you can do whatever you want and since I've You know, went since I went through that, I've since I've been a lecturer. uh, I've taught film and animation. You know, I've I've worked on art installations, uh, mainly pre-visualization stuff. You know, Mm. in that area. You know, worked in CGI animation. And the most important lesson I've learned is. Be good to people. I mean, I you know I want you know you have to be the kind of person who wants to be anyway. But yeah. <laughs> but if you're cool with people, people are generally cool with you. And yeah. most of the opportunities that you can get in life are from your personal relationships and from you know how you develop relationships with people. Uh, and 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 keep persevering to. to you know just just carry on i mean you don't necessarily have to want to keep learning new things you don't have necessarily have to want to you know um, develop your skills if you don't want to you know if you're at that stage of your life just accept that you're going through a dark period now but it won't always be that way there is hope and believe me you can do it so
1: sorry i've gone really serious there but even on twitter um you know a lot of the sort of people that i follow um variety of journalists and game developers and things like that they, a lot of people do struggle. And, you know, thankfully, I think because of Twitter, a lot of people are making relationships that they wouldn't normally have or not the ones that they would be allowed to be open about, Um, about everything that's going on in their lives and what have you. And to an extent, Twitter is a terrible and awful place. But For a lot of those things, it's a wonderful place. You know, I partly wouldn't be doing this podcast um, if it wasn't for Twitter. Yeah. um, Which, you know, is completely true. And, you know, I don't mind admitting that um, I'm a relatively introverted person, um, just generally. And I, you know, because of um, things like that, and just it's really good to see um, whenever people do start sort of reaching out and uh, wanting a little bit of support that they more than likely will find it um, just because of the people they follow and the friendships they've made. Um, Can I I just
0: put up, um, just just for anyone that is going through any of this stuff, um, if you follow Callum Underwood um, at Oculus, uh, so I can't can't remember what his Twitter handle is. I can find it in a second, but um, he's written a great blog post about it, to be honest. And I, I think he's trying to start a group for the games industry. So I, I don't know whether that's going to end up being, um, uh, uh I don't know, a slack or, or, whatever it's going to be. But, um, you know, I mean, there are people out there trying to do good things for mental health in games. And, and I, I, I also want to do that. I'm, you know, not there yet, but I'll, I would definitely recommend that, um, anyone who is struggling with mental health issues, um, you know, and, and has an interest in the, in the games industry in general, just follow, follow Callum. I think it's his pinned tweet. Have, have a read of that and i think that blog post resonated with a lot of people for all the right reasons
1: yeah um well to an extent then um that kind of leads us into sort of follow-up questions and things about sort of working in the industry um we talked to jonas Persson um of bedtime digital games uh, last week yeah and one of the things that we found really interesting about his um uh, sort of ethos um for their company is that you know people take the weekends off, you know, and even they um, deliberately have sort of Wednesdays and Fridays or sitting playing other people's games just for research and things like that. (laughs) And (laughs) you see so many people um, talking about working in the industry and how um, they're being pushed basically to breaking point um, an awful lot of the time. And just because of the conditions, you know, people are expecting to... um, you know get things done meeting deadlines and things but not necessarily actually giving people time off and they are just burning out um you'd said that even working with the operators and what have you that you were um sort of working long hours yeah i mean i would just can be tough it is
0: i mean i would make it clear that you know those long hours weren't because of the operators but yeah they're the that industry was you know i guess very similar to uh, to the games industry, we, in, you know, in that respect, that there there was deadlines everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, games have crunch, and you know, when you reach the end of when you're reaching a milestone, you know, everyone, well, not everyone, but you know, it's bad practice. But there's there's crunch to to try and meet that deadline. We're, in advertising, which was mainly the stuff we did, you know, um, at the operators, it's there's really tight turnarounds, like super super tight turnarounds, and. Um, yeah, uh, I, I won't say too much because uh, obviously it's, yeah. uh, those guys are still <laughs> doing it, but, uh, <laughs> it's, um, but I will say that, that, you know, the, the guys at the operators, lovely people, are some of the best people I've ever worked with, but, um, yeah, so, some aspects of that industry do demand a lot of you. Uh, you know, a lot of a person and I don't think it's necessarily healthy.
2: Look on the bright side, you've got a sneaky way of getting into all this new tech. You've actually been able to
0: do it on somebody else's money. <laughs> so that's <laughs> always a bonus. I mean, well, actually, I, I guess th- th- there's some overlap, but you know, um, we never did VR there. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they do now. I know because every now and again, they call me and I pick. <laughs> <there>. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah yeah no i, I mean I still i still work with the uh, with those guys um uh, every now and again because you know alongside running fairytale dragon i mean you 've got to fund it somehow right and yeah. um, so i I still <laughs> freelance i still freelance and that 's kind of what what delays things um, I, mean, I was i was naive <laughs> i went to e g x and people were asking me about. Um, and the release date and how things are going blah 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 what the plan is and how I'm running things and I was like yeah yeah I'm now full time and it was just like because I, I had some plans in place but you know life as an indie dev I mean things things change right and until you have your funding, and until you have everything in place, you shouldn't really say anything like that. And I've learned that the hard way. But uh, yeah, I do freelance still. Um, and, and that helps, you know, pay for things and keeps things going. And then when things happen, like, you, you know, you, you, your car breaks down, uh, which is what happened uh, at late last year, and you've got to buy a new one because it will cost more to fix your old car than it would. To. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, uh, you know, things like that, they, they throw a spanner in the works, no matter how well you've budgeted. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, I'm very grateful. Uh, to, to the guys at the operation. I'm very grateful, grateful for my previous life. And as you said, there's been a tiny bit of overlap there, but um, yeah, uh, more so now that I've left, uh, where I've, I, I freelance for them.
1: Just then mentioning about VR and what have you, what, I know you're obviously working on AM, which is primarily a VR um, experience, but you have said just on the website there that it probably will be available for non-VR uh, use as well. What are your thoughts about VR at the minute? Um, are you, I'm guessing you're positive about it, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't necessarily be working on it. I am, um, but I'm, I'm I am I'm very positive about it. But I'm not
0: one of those people who says that VR in itself is the future. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's part of part of the future, definitely. Um, I, I I see VR more as a, a transitional point. I don't know if you guys follow Tim Sweeney no. at Epic. No, um, no. so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he talks a lot about the metaverse and I mean, he's not the only person who does. I mean, many people do, but, you know, I, I, I am a firm believer that's where we're heading and VR is part of that. But I think the VR is, given this current state of technology, um, where we are um, technology-wise, um, VR allows us to produce the best possible experiences that get us towards the metaverse. Um mm-hmm than anything else, Um, you know, you you can, when we think of AR and uh, AI are where we're heading and with a bit of VR, and I think Microsoft is, um, has got the right idea in what they're trying to do with their um, you know, their XR products, they're calling them XR mm-hmm. now, aren't they? They're a bit of AR, they're a bit of VR, they're a bit of you know, a bit of everything, and they need to come up with a new name to confuse more people about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh But it's um you know, you know, I, I mean I see I see that as the future. I, I I see I see um wearables becoming more and more compact and I think they're only gonna really uh, gain mass popularity once, you know, once you can fit something in a form factor of regular glasses. Um, Mm -hmm. that's of a decent enough quality that's when you're going to see some traction until then everything needs to hold the fort and just (laughs) make sure that we get there you know and I think Mm -hmm. that's what VR is doing and I think that you know in its current state at least VR is developing further and VR will, will develop into something else but the VR as we know it today that VR will fall by the wayside to a, to an extent I think um, but it's great I mean I think we should enjoy what we have now and VR is fantastic and I think we should be embracing it but I, I don't want to be one of those people who says that yeah, we're all going to have VR headsets on and we're going to be sitting in our living rooms, you know, talking to each other virtually rather than, you know, or whatever. You know, I know people aren't exactly saying that, but there's a few huge barriers to entry in VR, right? There's the price. That's, that's the first yeah,
1: one. Yeah, definitely. Which
0: Microsoft's trying to address. I, mean, I don't agree with their walled garden system, but I can understand why they're doing it. But, um there's so there's the price, there's the form factor, so mm-hmm. like I say, until it's something that we don't even notice we can just wear like glasses, I mean most people i i would I would say probably i mean I, I've got no numbers to back this up, but I would say most people um wear glasses in some form from yeah. The- you know, I, I, you know whether it's just mm-hmm. reading glasses, or I, I, I could be way off there. It may not be most people; it may just be a, a significant portion of people. But um, so th- th- there's that. There's the form factor, and there's the fact that, and it ties into the form factor. The the, the feeling of isolation. Well, there's, actually, there's there's four. There's the feeling of isolation, um, and mm-hmm. I know that you know there are lots of great great multiplayer experiences in VR now, and, and there should be. You know, it's great that people are pushing mm-hmm. that. Uh, forward, but that you know you, you can't deny the fact that you're still putting on a, you know a headset. You're you're locking yourself out from the physical world when you go into VR. Yeah. And, and okay, that's part of the appeal, but it's also um, partly. What may keep certain people back from it because, you know, they'll be like, well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to wear something big and clunky on my head and lock myself out from yeah, you know, the world mm. or, you know, the people in the room. Mm. And yeah, exactly, yeah. you know. Um, and, uh, you know, people compare it to mobile, compare, compare VR to, 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 to mobile phones. And I don't think it's a fair comparison to smartphones because, well, when smartphones came out, we already had mobile phones, right? And mobile phones, when mobile phones came out, we already understood yeah. what a telephone was. So, you know, to mm-hmm. get to a mobile phone, we understood what a phone was. And so we could understand the benefit of having a phone wherever we go, right? Uh, so when it, they became affordable, they became popular. Then when smartphones came out, well, we already, you know, we very people were familiar with computers, people were familiar with mobile phones. It just mm-hmm. made sense to have these features on a phone and, and you know, and, and it was a natural progression. It wasn't something else extra that they had to have. It wasn't anything that intruded in their, in the way they live their lives at present. And that's the, that's the key thing here is I think for a technology to gain real traction, it, it mustn't intrude on your, on your habits because people are creatures of habit. Um, VR does that though. VR is intrusive. Yeah. Um, VR is amazing and we should be pushing it and we should be trying to get more and more people to experience VR because it's amazing and it's leading to great places. But at the moment, it's intrusive. And I think that's probably a bigger barrier to entry than yeah. the price point is uh, mm. and, the, and the form factor itself, um, although the form factor is tied into that. Um but once once it's not intrusive anymore once we start getting all the features of our phones in our glasses and obviously Google started to do that with Google Glass you've got and you've got Microsoft HoloLens you know with, with their AR you've got Magic Leap yeah. doing AR um and and now you know you've got these XR supposedly devices which you know are a hybrid of VR and AR um that's where we're going to start to see more traction. Is when they start to become, you know, start start to fit into a smaller form factor, and when we can have enough processing power within that form factor that we don't need to have a separate unit. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that Hololens is so great, even though it's not, it, it may not be exactly what people expect when they see a demo of Hololens. Um, but it's amazing technology in itself because it manages to fit that technology inside the glasses. Um, yeah, and I, I I think that's what we need for for VR or a um, an iteration of a future iteration of VR to gain traction. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. I mean, that's one of the main things that actually put me off the PSVR. Um, the fact that. You've got to set it up, and it seems to take an age. There's just so much messing about with the cables and stuff. And it's not something you can leave lying around, you know, because it's just so ungainly. And you've got to switch and HDMI cables. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when you've got a setup like mine, you just don't want to be doing that. You can't really go around the back of it. It's just a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, th- there's just simple things like that that I'll, I, just, I feel like sometimes developers don't think about that much you know they're just looking at the um, tech side of it and going well we, we can set it up to do this and we need to have this and this and this yeah. you know and of course they're not actually thinking about the real world practicalities of these things Yeah, I mean obviously with uh, Gear VR and um, uh, HoloLens
0: and stuff it's a, a damn sight easier yeah I mean there's great there's great I mean this is this is an amazing time for technology this is where we we're right at the beginning of a wave we're not the crest of the wave yet we're we're just the, the wave is just forming and the, mm. the, when you know as i said earlier when i think vr ar and ai can combine into something bigger something better something greater and you know that can push humanity forward that, i mean that 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 where we are at an exciting time where, where we're leading up to that point point. and i think i don't think we're as close as as many people think we are to that point but we the wave is just starting to yeah, to rise again. but Holodex. That's what Holodex, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes.
1: <laughs> Seeing as you've already said that um, you've been a big gamer and what have you, and you just love gaming, um, what about sort of influences and things and gaming memories and what have you?
0: My, my earliest memories of, of gaming uh, were in arcades. So my parents were very old school. They were of the mindset that, um, games are bad for you you know um, yeah. we can't have a you know no you can't have a console I don't care if your friends have a console And I mean, my, my first console was an Atari 2600 but many years after it came out many many nice. years like a decade <laughs> after it came out um, and then it was the snares and I got a game gear and the, you know they started to you know relax and ease up to the idea that, 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 you know that they started to realize that games aren't evil. But um, my earliest memories were in arcades. And so I was playing things like Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Galaga, uh, Wonder Boy, Mario. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, I mean, I originally my family are from Cyprus. And in Cyprus, we have these things called Lunar Parks. I don't know if you know what Lunar Parks are, but basically they're, yeah. they're fun fairs that are open all year round. Um, and they have... You know, and, and they always have a section with arcades, yeah, with, with mm-hmm. arcade games, yeah. And um, so, you know, I, I remember going there all the time, and this is back when arcades were, you know, were were you know at their peak, uh, and, and just playing all these games like Rampage as well. I don't know if you remember, do you remember Rampage. Oh yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing <laughs> games at the time. Street Fighter. I grew up on Street mm-hmm. Fighter, um, and, and and you know, and you'd go to a news agency and. That, that, there would always be street fighter there and it'd usually be a bootleg copy where you could do double fireballs in the air and you know <laughs> <laughs> all these amazing things and every fireball was a golden fireball and you know and as a kid they'll be like wow and you know occasionally you get mugged for 50p but um but there were good times you know and um so yeah some of my earliest memories were were, were, were playing in the arcades and then I remember in primary school, um, so every Friday, some friends and I used to go roller skating and we used to, so we used to alternate whose house we'd go to every week and one of our friends, um, parents had a bit, uh, a fair bit of money. And so he had, he had everything basically. He had a snares, he had a mega drive. He had the, what was, what were the bolts onto the mega drive called again? The 32X and the, it
1: was um, the 32X and the mega CD. Mega
0: CD. He yeah, had both. Yeah. Yep. He had a Neo Geo back when no one had any, a Neo Geo, you know? Mm-hmm. So those were amazing times. So we always look forward to going to his house, uh, to play. <laughs> Everybody have a friend you know? like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then following that, uh, Uh, PlayStation 1, had that for a short while, um, and then moved on to, sold it to get the N64 when it came out. And everyone was like, you're crazy, you know, stick with the PlayStation. <laughs> and I was like, no, I love Mario. And uh, Mario 64 was just like a game changer. It was amazing. You know, obviously then there was yeah. GoldenEye and oh, Mario yeah, Kart. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, sorry, Mario Kart came out in the snares obviously first. Um, but yeah, great times. Uh, so yeah, those are some of my, you know, earliest memories with, um, in, with gaming. I mean, back when I was ill um, – The Dreamcast was, you know, my go-to console Uh, for a long period of that. I didn't, you know, I I was stuck with, you know, the older generation console, but um, Mm. I I got a Dreamcast and I got to say, the Dreamcast is the most underrated console in the world ever. (laughs) It really is. I mean, the the games that were out on the Dreamcast. It's
2: the most forward-looking console that's ever been released. There were some ridiculous features on there that have just been embraced in the last, I would say, last generation. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Maybe generation before
0: crazy stuff yeah. amazing uh, vmu's why aren't vmu's a thing why are they integrated <laughs> into controllers you know like, yeah. <laughs> well the wii u did it but oh yeah of course one, yeah. Long, yeah
2: long time after yeah yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. it's it just it, it was amazing I and mean, first console with online connectivity you know online gaming mm-hmm. yep. on a console yeah, yeah um the reason why the xbox exists probably Uh, That was Microsoft's (laughs) partnership with Sega, you know, and then, you you know, and it was basically Sega's um, arcade board in a home console, wasn't it? So, you know, you had games like Crazy Taxi, Samba de Amigo, um, House of the Dead, and, you know, amazing games. Power Stone, why is there not another Power Stone? (laughs) Why were there only two? I mean, yeah, that's blasphemy. There should be, there should be another power stone made. Should we start a petition? Should we, should we, should we write to say that? <laughs> you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And after the Dreamcast was the Xbox. Um, I skipped the PS2. I know, I know. Um, and, Weirdo. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Xbox 360. And uh, to be honest, after the Xbox 360, I, I stopped, um, buying consoles. <gasps> and, I know. I know. So aside from work, I... I, Right, that's it. You're dead to me. (laughs) I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But the thing is, right, I mean... Whenever a, a new console would come out, there was always something really exciting about it. Well, it always felt like it anyway. Mm. I don't know if it was an age thing yeah. or if it was just ge- a genuine thing that, you know, there was always something genuinely exciting about a new console release. Yeah. But when the Xbox One and the PS4 came out, I didn't, I didn't feel that. I mean, I, I, I think there's genuinely exciting things about them now, um, and mm. I'll definitely buy them both now, but I, I, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, I didn't buy them at the time. And, you know, I just didn't feel any kind of excitement. And, and, and for the price point they both came out at and the power, and, and, and obviously they, they couldn't have come out at a different price point at the time, uh, with, you know, with a different spec. But I, it just didn't feel like the, there was enough of a step up. It didn't feel like there were, and it didn't feel like there was enough innovation. It, it's just a personal thing. but
2: Yeah, there's nothing exciting. You're right. There's, there's nothing that would make you go out and buy them. I mean, I've only bought the Xbox One because it's a 4K player. Um, not because there's actually any games. I don't ever want to play Halo for a start, or
0: Games Gears of War. <laughs> Just look dull and brown. <laughs> to be fair, I do like Halo. I do like Gears of War. Um, but... Um, not enough. Not enough to yeah. buy... <laughs> not enough. To, yeah, I mean, I, I'll get them on PC. I mean, I know Halo, the it's yeah. Halo didn't come out on PC, but I'm sure the next one will. Um, mm. Yeah. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it no, seems the, logical, right? The, the,
1: yeah, the Xbox One and the PS4, although we're now sort of starting to get into proper iterations of um, an individual console and what have you, but in reality, they were kind of launched as a, a new iteration of the PS3 and the Xbox 360, hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. As, as opposed to being promoted as something new and different. It was just, well, this is a little bit more powerful Yeah. You know, overall, and I think, yeah. yeah, that's why there hasn't really been the excitement, whereas the Switch is maybe... You know, Nintendo doing their usual thing and taking a complete sidestep <laughs> yeah. and doing their own wee thing. And I just- love that they do that. Yeah. They are just
0: mad as cheese. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, the Switch, I mean, I don't have a Switch yet, but um, I'm excited about the Switch. Uh, you know, I like I like yes. the switch. It's a great machine. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised how comfortable they were to play as well. Uh, they, you know, they yeah. are to play. Um, but yeah, yeah. Ah, um, uh, the switch. The switch is. I think Nintendo have the right idea with the switch and what mm. a future console should be. Um, and it, obviously it, Nintendo play a different tune to everyone else. So, you know, who knows mm-hmm. what Microsoft and, and PlayStation are going to do next, but, um, probably more, more of the same. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. I know that sounds negative, but no. there, there, there is a place for that <laughs> and they're doing good things in their own area. But I don't think they I think they'll take an element of what Nintendo were doing and they'll, they'll try and mimic it to a degree a bit like, um, you know, what the connect was to the Wii. um, yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't think they'll full hog go the switch route just yet, unless it proves itself to be super, super popular. And then, you know, who knows, but, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm you know, PC that I think the PC is, is the most exciting platform at the moment. Um, that and the switch, um, well, the PC's always been present, and it? It's a bit like when you watch one of the Top Gear
2: shows and they've got their whole adventure and there's the Volkswagen Beetle following right behind. Yeah. <laughs> it's always omnipresent. The PC's just that Volkswagen Beetle. It is, it is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always oh, yeah. there. Always <laughs>
0: there. Gaben's watching. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is just about right. Kev, what did you pick up this week?
2: Um, well, I've ordered it today. It's here tomorrow, thanks to Amazon. Um, it's Lego Dimensions Lego City Fun Pack. For a change, I didn't get this at a crazy price and <laughs> not cheap anywhere. I'm uh, sorry, Andy. I'm letting <laughs> you down. Um, there's a reason why
0: we need this pack. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs>
1: Andy, have you picked anything up recently?
0: I have, but I haven't played anything. I've been playing a great game, game called M, lately. Um, <laughs> mm, tell us more. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, no, but I've picked up I I've, I've picked up Alan Wake, the Alan Wake bundle. Um, because mm-hmm. Alan Wake is one of those games where, when it came out, really wanted to play it, didn't get it. It was the kind of around the period what I where I started to lapse <laughs> a little bit. Hey. Hey, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I but I've had Alan Wake for a long time, and I still haven't played it, and I intend to do that sooner rather than later. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I got the bundle for American Nightmare, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, when I when I did buy it, I, I did expect to get an extra copy of Alan Wake, but no, they wouldn't let me let, let me have it um which is <laughs> really tight. unfair boo yeah um, <laughs> but yeah i mean it's a great time to buy alan wake isn't it i mean because of the, the whole licensing um um you know the license expiring on a lot of music it's it, it's a great time to pick up alan wake isn't it and i i, I noticed in my email um the other day uh, dark souls 3 is now 20 pounds on steam uh, so that's probably a good mm. one to get if you haven't you know picked up dark souls 3 um mm. yeah yeah. Those those are my, my recent purchases.
1: Oh, I played Alan Wake a while back um, for a different podcast. It was the uh, Year of Steam podcast. And while I didn't finish it, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It felt like the sort of gaming equivalent of something between like Twin Peaks and the Stephen King novel. And uh, it has that sort of, um, and with a little bit of obviously action and th- what have you thrown into it. Um, it's surprising for what it was, and I can see why an awful lot of people do love it, and I think even Adam on the show has said that um, he, while he still has to finish it, he absolutely loved playing it, and uh, it is it is a well put together game um, for what it is, and yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things with games these days, that they sort of archival for it, um, There, you know, if a piece of license or a music license expires on it or whatever, then it suddenly becomes delisted. And actually, while you said that you picked it up, um, cheap and I was looking today and it's back up the full price on the places where you can still get it. Okay, forget why I said that. Humble still seemed to have it listed, um, but obviously it's now been delisted from Steam, um, yeah, you know, because of the license expiring and things like that. And again, it comes down to. You know, for any other types of media, there's, you know, music and books and um, films and things. And, okay, while these things might go out of print, there's usually copies of them somewhere. Or a different distributor will pick up the license for them and, you know, um, put them out again. But for games, there just doesn't seem to be that. You know, if you don't physically have the hardware to play these games on, um, a lot of the games just disappear um, because they don't seem to be archived.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah, I mean, I think the other side of it is also, you know, online games, when the servers get shut down, like, you know, what happens? Oh, and, yeah. So depressing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a guy, isn't there? And I, and I, I forget his name, but he, he's made it his life's work, essentially, to uh, <laughs> to archive these games, to, to make sure, to get a copy. And I, and I wow. think he was the guy who discovered that one of the Mario games, I can't remember which one, uh, Nintendo was selling it on their virtual console. Um oh. Uh, you know, as you would. It's a Nintendo game, you know. And uh, so, you know, this guy got it and, um, (laughs) yeah, um, opened it up in a hex editor and found that it was actually and uh, you know allegedly let's say allegedly but um a bootleg copy so it was he you know it's one that could be found on a rom site so what nintendo had done is they <laughs> they picked it up from a rom site because it's probably easier to do it that way right i mean yeah, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, yeah. exactly um and i had to put it out on the virtual console and, and i think since then they found that you know it's true of a few more games um and fair play i mean it's their game but um you know mm. it, it's probably a gray area right um but yeah so the nintendo had have, have taken one of the mario games at least and um yeah allegedly <laughs> released it, that rom you know back into the world um through the virtual console and are charging for it so yeah it's a
2: weird thing that they didn't have a copy kicking them out
0: <laughs> yeah but it was probably easier i mean if you because I mean, it's so old isn't it i mean and and a large mm. company of nintendo i mean there's probably a fair bit of bureaucracy to go through to uh, and you know uh and try going through Nintendo's archives. I mean, you know, they started as a card trading uh, company, didn't <laughs> yeah. they? I was, yeah. Um, and selling trading cards or something. War. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was probably just easier for them, I guess. Um, hey, and, yeah. uh, and I was speaking with some guys at an event recently at the post-GDC thing um, for the Unreal Engine. And uh, um, they, they're starting a company which is, uh, which will basically allow you to stream retro games. Um, mm-hmm. And they said it's it, it's actually quite common um, for for companies to pick up um, you know uh, like ROMs from ROM sites you know of their old yeah. games and, and then put them back out there because it's easier for hmm. them. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, but but they, they were also saying that it's really difficult. That what they're finding is it's really difficult to find the license holders for a lot of games. And when yeah. they do track down the license, the license, the license holders for a, a lot of old games, they don't realize that they actually have the license. Because they, mm. they, you know, they, they either <laughs> inherited the license or purchased it a long time ago, and you know, when there's mergers or you know, companies split or go under and blah blah blah. Often, the owner of the license gets lost. Like people don't know who who that that you know the the owner is anymore. Um, and sometimes the, someone owns the the license in you know uh, one region and not in another, and so And so what they're finding is um, sorry, I've kind of digressed here, but because I think it's <laughs> quite interesting. They're, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, they're. they're they're having to, you know, find the license owners and they're having to deal with one company for one region, another company for another region, and they're trying to set up mm. the streaming service for retro games. And then some companies don't even know they own the license. And they're like, well, actually, you know, you guys could be making money from this if you want to, and we'll stream <laughs> it. you know. And yeah, you know, it all comes back to what you were saying earlier, sure, about archiving old games. And, you know, books, you can archive books, you can archive films, you can archive Music games are much harder, and um, you know th- th- there's just there there are so many issues um, with regards to yeah to archiving games
1: yeah yeah no it actually reminds me of um, there's the worldofspectrum.org um, which is a website which basically um, ar- archives the entire history of the uh, the Spectrum um, from the sixteen k the forty eight k the ZX eighty one etc. and they have meticulously went through basically every game that was ever released um, for any of the Spectrum platforms and basically tried to track down the either original developer or the copyright holder and what have you of the time and they have got written permission for I would say the majority of the games that are listed on their website to be freely held there as um, just sort of the ROMs of the games and um, because the developers and what have you don't necessarily say, no, there's an awful lot of people who are still holding out. Um, but then that's probably because they're still current companies, you know, people like Codemasters and what have you. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, for any sort of movie licenses and things um, from back in the day. Yeah. But there are places that are trying to make an effort to do that. And again, there's other things like uh, the Abandonware website and what have you, that at least ma- tries to make these games available to people, even if they aren't necessarily commercially available.
0: It's a tricky one isn't it because aside from making the software available the hardware is so integral to the history of of, of those games that, that that I mean many of them were made with the limitations of the hardware in mind right so things like you know taking into account things like scan lines and you know and uh, or the refresh rate or whatever and, and and using them to their advantage and so you know you you, you can play those games on an emulator but it's not going to be the same experience so um how do we you know first of all locate all this old hardware some of it is you know that there's very few um you know pieces of this hardware you know available anymore in in a, in a decent enough condition to you know still um, work yeah exactly I mean, yeah, yeah yeah and and then when you when you find them i mean you know <laughs> the, the hardware doesn't live forever either you know so it's <laughs> it, what do you do you know yeah you have this you know bit of hardware and you can play these games but it, it, when's it going to die? And when it does, you know, uh, <laughs> can you fix it? So, yeah. I mean, I, I can see I can see the same thing happening for VR in the future, to be honest. I mean, it's, uh, you know, as I said earlier, I think everything's you know going to become smaller, more compact, and um, less intrusive, and eventually it will just be brain implants, won't it? I mean, look at what Elon Musk is doing now, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, it sounds scary to us now, but, you know, generation by generation it will be, uh, you know, um, less and less of an alien kind of concept, and you know, I think eventually that's where we're going. You know, with regards to current VR software, um, you know, you're going to need the you're going to need the hardware to run it, and you know, and the, and the same you know applies to computers in general. So let's say you you want to archive a um, an Oculus DK1, um, and you know you want to play a game on it. Well, it's not just having the DK1 in a condition that works, and it, it's not just having the software. It's also having You know, um, you know, a PC with the current architecture that will play it. (laughs) So, you know, if we're we're talking about doing it properly and not just, you know, emulation.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, sure. Even in recent years, you could actually argue that, you know, um, Apple and even to a lesser degree Android are basically making apps defunct because they no longer work with the newest operating system. And, you know, that's part of the, you know, conditions that um, apps are allowed on uh, the app store, that they're updated whenever a new version of the operating system comes out. So even now, games and things are disappearing from the app store purely because the developers are actually no longer working on them or the company is no longer there or, you know, they just don't see the financial benefit of updating that to work on a new operating system. So that's then gone, um, you know, apart from people who are then still working on an old piece of hardware.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you you probably heard the saying, we we live in a disposable society, but I think Mm -hmm. games are very much part of it now.
1: On that cheery note, the games that I have bought this week, (laughs) um, I've picked up a handful of things. On iOS? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a couple of things on iOS. Hey! (laughs) Um, I had seen a couple of tweets uh, recently about a new game which is published by Devolver Digital called Space Plan. Now, it turns out that it's a clicker game, um, but I'll go on to it later as I have been playing an awful lot of it and I'm not necessarily going to be as harsh as I was on previous clicker games. Um, I've also picked up Dead Secret, which was half price on Gear VR, but I still to play it. Just Ski, which is another iOS game, um, which is, I would say, very similar to Alto's Adventure as a sort of a downhill snowboarding skiing game um ridiculously hard but uh, good fun and very cheap uh, i think it was what 99p and the humble spring sale um was ongoing so i picked up Seraph um because it looked lovely and i always keep forgetting about it whenever it's in sales Seraph is um, great yeah yeah I, it was at um,
0: uh, res last year and i met the, the, the developer daniel in it he's an awesome guy um and um yeah it, it was great to see that game develop from from the beta to what it is now and it, it really it, yeah yeah um and it, it, it's it is a ton of fun it is a ton of fun sorry i've interrupted please yeah, go no. on.
1: Okay. Um, dark souls 2 came down to six pounds on pc so i picked that up and the last one that i picked up then was Wailing heights uh, which is actually developed by a local um, company to myself called outsider games Um, It was one of those games that I'd seen, and they actually recently celebrated their one-year anniversary of it being released. It's like a point-and-click adventure based around sort of B-movie horror um, characters and things. Uh, So it's uh, quite good-looking, but I always thought it was dearer than it is. Um, But then I saw it in the Humble Seal for a little bit more often. I thought, yeah, I'm going to. (laughs) It supports supports local developers and what have you. So um, I decided to pick that up. Uh, so, that's all so far, and um, not an amiibo in sight, surprisingly.
2: <laughs> Stu, how many power banks do you own? Because the amount of games you've got played <laughs> on your phone any one week seems to be anywhere between 20 and
1: 30. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do seem to, yeah, my phone gets regularly charged, So <laughs> <laughs> as does the iPad that I have in work as well. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cables everywhere. <laughs> so, um, from our recent purchases then, we will move on to our recently played. Andy, as the guest, do you want to go first?
0: Recently played. Um, a great game called M. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme going There's on theme here. can see it. something happening. Yeah, uh, no, uh, t- to be fair, this week I've been super busy, so I haven't actually had much time to play Uh, Many games, Um, but most recently I've been playing uh, Hitman. Um, Huge fan of the Hitman series, and quite sad about what's happened recently with uh, Mm. IO being released uh, from Square Enix. And Mm. I I hope the rumours are true um, about them retaining the. Shame, there's just rumours so far, though. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, because I think I, you know, IO have traditionally done. you know, amazing stuff with the Hitman series uh, through, throughout the years. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, Hitman uh, on mobile so, you know, going between events um, I, I still get to play some uh, mobile games and um, I, I, I still play Crazy Taxi on a Dreamcast emulator for the reason being that I bought it. <laughs> I wouldn't know, I, I, I bought um so a while back um sega released the original crazy taxi with the original soundtrack you know with offspring mm. you know amazing soundtrack for the time and oh, yeah, yeah. And, oh, oh, it brings back so many memories <laughs> and, uh, yeah, um, and, uh, yeah and, and it was all working great and then i switched phones and it, it didn't work anymore and i was just like no i need my crazy taxi on the tube so um yeah i i, I got installed an in emulator uh, I'm ashamed to say, to, to, to play it, but it, it was it's the only way. Um, and uh, also play the, you know, the, the new, cra- the newer Crazy Taxi, you know, the, uh, the, the very mobilized, uh, as I like to call yes. it, Crazy Taxi. Um, I was just thinking the PlayStation 2 version. <laughs> yeah, no, it, no, this one's like very much a mobile game, but you know, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's got some of the cool mechanics. Um, but yeah, I've been playing a game called um, A Normal Lost Phone. Yes. And, uh, I'm kind of in two minds about it. I, I I like what they're doing with it, what they're trying to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's certain things that I, I don't like as much, but I don't want to be uh, negative about it. Cause actually I think overall what they're doing is quite important. It raises some issues, some uh, LGBTQ related issues uh, in mm-hmm. the game. And I I, I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cool game. I, I, I haven't played enough of it yet um, to fully form an opinion of it. But I, yeah, I overall, I like it so much. I just don't think it's targeted for an for my age group. Um, I, I you know, the, the, the only things I don't like about it are things that I, I can't relate to, um, mm. uh, because of my age, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old, I'm an old man. I'm an old grumpy old man now. Um, <laughs> don't even start me on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I I was I was forced to um download the Kinder app this week because um I got a Kinder egg for my little boy and it said download the Kinder app and I stupidly did it and uh <laughs> now I regret it. But yeah. No, no, it, it's a cool app if you've got kids, but it's uh yeah. Yeah, I I can see it meaning that my I don't get my phone back. Uh, for long periods <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, that's what i've been playing
1: as we usually do um on lgr out of those which would you recommend to a lapse gamer so somebody who is either coming back into it or um doesn't necessarily get an awful lot of play time during the week
0: i, I think if you're um well I, I think most lapsed gamers are older so i'm not going to recommend uh a lost phone Uh, Mm. I'll always recommend Crazy Taxi. You can pick it up and play it in short bursts, can't you? And it's one of the best games ever made, ever. And if you don't agree, (laughs) then you're wrong. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, no, um, but, yeah, I mean, if you can't pick up the original Crazy Taxi, um, and I think you can still pick it up on Steam, can't you? You, Am I wrong? Yeah, you should be able to. I'm sure I have have it in my library. I have a Dreamcast
1: pack with um, Space Channel 5. and Oh, yes, that's what I've got. Yeah, yeah possibly something else yeah um, three if not four in that pack
0: is house of the dead one of them or am i remembering that wrong i could be remembering that wrong
1: Ooh, it might be i'm not sure be. oh but, it might be sonic adventure
0: sonic adventure yes other. yeah no it definitely is sonic adventure um makes sense with sega yeah <laughs> um, but yeah no i i'd, I'd probably recommend and, and mostly i go for indie games uh lately but i, I w- in this case i would go for hitman to be to be fair um mm. y- uh, yeah. you can you can play it in short bursts uh it's amazing it's hitman uh if you don't like it you're wrong again uh yeah <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah my pick definitely be
1: hitman i'll quickly just go through mine so firstly uh just ski as i've mentioned there it's a little bit like Alto's Adventure. Um, slightly more basic graphics and it's basically you swipe down to go faster, swipe up to go a little bit slower and jump and then you get to control the speed of your rotations in the air and basically try and land perfectly. I would have thought that it would have been a procedurally generated game um, but surprisingly not. Um, all the, the whole map is being planned out and it is possible to actually finish it in one setting but as the, uh, the Twitter feed of the developer has said, and has been getting an awful lot of stick about it, a lot of people are finding it very, very difficult because you have to make the jumps pretty perfectly, um, otherwise you basically have to start again. Um, From scratch, Uh, although it does sort of it gives you an indicator of a uh, circle, which changes color depending on how much progress you're making, so you have a sort of a vague idea of how far you've previously been. It's fun, but it's very hard. I would suggest Altos Adventure is maybe a little bit better and a little bit more forgiving um, in its gameplay. Yeah, but still,
2: that's what games were. That's what made them (laughs) games in the first place. I know we're talking about Super Mario and stuff like that, and you think. Christ, if you put one foot wrong, that's
0: it, you are back at the start. There's, this is very true, yes. There's no lives. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and games were designed to take your money, weren't they? And they were shameless Damn about Damn straight, it. Yeah, and still yeah. on, on yeah. mobile. Definitely. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, yeah, cotton wool. These. I, days. Uh, I miss. I miss hard games. I mean, there there still are a few, aren't there? But um, yeah,
1: love you've got Dark Souls.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but there should be more. All games should be hard, and they should make you want to cry. <laughs> that's a real game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the Dark Souls effect last year or last week. Um, basically, you know, every game that comes out has to be compared to Dark Souls in some yeah. way, <laughs> and an awful lot of the game mechanics these days are. Possibly pushing to be deliberately hard. Yeah. Um, but that kind of ruins the fun of them sometimes mm-hmm. um, just because they are that bit harder. But yeah. I'm getting it's tired of the-
0: hearing the phrase, it's the Dark Souls of.
1: Like, yeah. You know, soon they'll be saying
0: <laughs> it- Dark Souls 4 is a Dark Souls of Dark Souls. You know, it's just, it's getting ridiculous <laughs> now. Like everything is Dark Souls of this. And yeah.
2: I'm, I'm waiting for the Hannah Montana game to come out with, um, you know, it's, it's the Dark Souls of Hannah Montana games. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a way to go. That's a
0: really obscure <laughs> reference
1: there. I love it. <laughs> 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 do, 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 I was going to say, depending on the, uh, the other podcasts that you listen to. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that we listen to then we're good friends with the guys is the Codec Momentum podcast and I think it was Andy on that <laughs> finally got round to Plattening um, Hannah Montana oh, really? on the, uh, the yep. PS3 or something yeah right. <laughs> it took him more than a year uh, to finally actually get round to doing it I think <laughs> he
2: lost his fingernails in the process as well <laughs> oh, he probably lost a bit of his soul
0: as well right I mean <laughs> there really is the dark souls of <laughs> <Hans Yes>. Montana <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, um, as for the other games then I've been playing, I have been mucking around on my Gear VR a little bit more. Um, I had sort of half an hour or so uh, last night, so I was playing a couple of the wee freebies that I downloaded. Um, so the first one was Colossa or Colossus? No, it's not Colossus. Colossa, uh, which is basically or Coloss, maybe Coloss, possibly. Um, <laughs> it's C-O-L-O-S-S-E However you would pronounce that I'm guessing Mark tomato from... <laughs> Mark will be screaming at the podcast whenever he listens to this telling us Good. How he would pronounce it um it's basically a very short um vaguely interactive story um it was less than it was about 10 minutes or so. Um, you basically are planted in an area and you get to look around and see events happening around you. Um, it was it's a freebie so it's obviously worth trying what have you. Um, according to the sort of description of the on the gear VR store, it's adaptive um, interactivity in that the longer you stare at something in the environment, um the game supposedly changes the story subtly um around you because of that i didn't have another go at it. i think i just had one go but um i then read the description after that so i might have another wee go at that just to see if it really does um do anything of those claims um but yeah it was good fun and as i say it's short i think that's one of the problems that i'm sort of experiencing on the vr games at least the free ones anyway they are very short experiences and they almost feel like tech demos now there's nothing necessarily wrong with that but you often feel as if they should maybe be advertising themselves as tech demos or something or at least putting a little bit more into the description about how long the experience is going to be or maybe a little bit more about what the experience is
0: yeah um i think there's a lot of experimental stuff in vr because even though now vr is at a stage where people have kind of got their heads around the more difficult problems. Or yeah. well, most of them. There's still the issue of VR doesn't make a ton of money. Um, so, yeah. you know, you've got to try things out. And, you, and you, you you know, it still is a new medium, so you want to try new things out. And, you know, yeah. how many wave shooters can you play? So, you know, people are... And kudos to developers who are, you know, pushing things. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of short experiences. And uh, as you say, I don't think many... Uh, well, sorry, that's, that's not fair. Uh, there, there are a few... That aren't labelled as such. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's perfectly fair to have short experiences, but I think it's important to label it as what it It is.
1: Yeah. It it almost comes down to whoever is creating, curating the storefronts um, for these, that they basically could be put into, not necessarily as a free game, but actually into like a gallery almost. And, you know, it's something that you could go in and experience and know that it will be a short experience or something that isn't maybe necessarily particularly interactive, but it's something to show off the hardware and actually do it more like that as opposed to, well, these are the free ones, these are the paid ones, and, you know, these are the ones that we're promoting or whatever this week and actually have a separate um, actual little area for things like that. Oculus have, have a section for that kind of thing on there
0: on their store um, mm-hmm. and I know Oculus home gets a lot of slack because you know, it's, it's seen as restrictive and a walled garden and you know, blah, blah, but um, it does a lot of things right. And I, I, I think they're actually uh, you know, a few things that other marketplaces can, can learn from the way they're doing things. And that's one of mm-hmm. them, that um, they do have this separate section for more experimental um, experiences and shorter experiences. Because um, uh, I think they're important to have at the birth of a new medium. And I, 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 know, I know VR's not new. I know it's about 20 years old. And I remember playing it in the Trocadero, and, you know, and it, yeah, it wasn't. An, it, it, I, I saw Lawnmower Man and I was disappointed, you know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, it's. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think they do that really well. Thinking mm. about
2: it, you know, from a developer's point of view, do they know that they're going to be doing a free game first? Because that might be why they think, well, there's not much point making it a massive eight-hour experience as such, you know, if it's just going to be like a tech demo.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the developers would generally... You know, unless a, I mean, the I guess the exception is when a platform holder asks a developer to do something in particular, but a developer will, hmm. g- will generally make what they want to make, right? And uh, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll make their business plan, see if there's a market for it, or they think there'll be a market for it, or you know, they may just get a brain fart, I guess, and say, well, I'm going to run with that. Well, at least that's how I work. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I'm sure, you know. The, that these experiences that we're talking about now the developers would have made a conscious decision to um what well, they would have either made a conscious decision to release something small for free to see how it pans out uh oh, yeah. maybe with a view to making something later or they may have started something thought well, you know this is cool, but it's not really what I want to make, and it's not i don't know if it's going to have as much traction as I want it to, so let's just release it get a bit more bit of promotion out there and you know release it mm. as a free experience maybe that's another. You know, angle. I guess, um, but yeah, mm. I, I, the, the developer will most likely, will, will more than likely, um, have made that decision consciously, whether it's at the de- at the beginning, at the inception of the idea, or when they realise that maybe you know the best thing is just to to cut their losses and just release it for yeah. free. Yeah, it's not going very far. Let's uh, get it out here, out there now. Yeah, kind of Yeah, and some yeah. things are hard to work on. You know, uh, oh yeah, I can imagine. especially for something that's uh, personal to you. Maybe you know, it's. Uh, you know, it can have an emotional effect, can't it, to uh, work on something day in, day out. So The
1: other Gear VR game that I was playing is called Nightlight, um, which you start off at night in your bed and there's a glowing orb in front of you. Um, So it's obviously um, just looking at the orb to then um, activate the next sort of interactive scene and the the orb kind of flies around you and the walls of your bedroom fall apart and suddenly you're in like a forest and um, you just follow along and it's... It's an interesting uh, little thing. It actually goes, after the forest you get to a cave and then from the cave you then go into like the corridor of a hotel. Now this is where it gets really creepy and I was actually waiting for the jump scares to happen um, because you follow, you get into the hall and suddenly the orb just shoots off in front of you and you can see sort of corridors and what have you going off the corridor that you're walking down and as you, um, the game sort of Takes you past them, it allows you, because you're in VR obviously, to look round um, into the, the corridors and they just sort of disappear off into the blackness and you're just waiting for something to jump out of it. Um, really creepy sort of sense of. Um, so you go to the end of the corridor and there's two doors and it, it kind of. Sp- Randomly picks one of them to go through so you go through it and then you're in the same corridor again and this time whenever you go down pictures start falling off the walls or um, a little bit of wallpaper rips and again you look down the other corridors and there's nothing there and You get to the end of the corridor and again you randomly go through one of the doors again and again you're back in that corridor and more things happen again and again you randomly get get to the end and you go through one of the two doors and then it opens up and you follow the orb down this sort of tunnel of light and then you just end up at the end back in your bedroom and it's morning, it's... cool. Yeah, it's a really interesting experience. I was still waiting on the jump scares, and it
0: I love surreal experiences like that.
1: When I was, I was expecting them to develop that creepiness just a little bit more. Right. Maybe make it a little, you know, five ten minutes longer um, to develop that creepiness a little bit more, and maybe throw in them. You know, what I was actually expecting a jump scare, and I wouldn't have been disappointed um, if they'd wanted to throw that in there, or at least you know, um, just the creepiness of just a shadow, just sort of at the end of the corner that you can make out a figure of something. Um, would have been a really interesting way of doing that.
0: I'm gonna tell you what. If you like shadows, and I'm a great game, which, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. That's
2: obviously one of those games that they've made for Gear VR knowing that you'll have one of those headsets on, so you are gonna lose your shit as soon as the cat jumps on your lap. Yeah, yes. yeah.
0: <laughs> they don't need to do anything. And we were speaking earlier about how cats are evil, so uh, you know. Cats, <laughs> they know. They
1: are.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, messengers of the so undead. Um, again,
1: a nice little freebie and uh, well worth having, having a go at.
0: I, I love when developers do that when they release something that's, you know, something of a good enough quality that's free, mm-hmm. you know, something that, yeah. that adds value to the space that they're releasing on. Um yeah. that's awesome. That really is. I mean it's great hearing you talk about uh, both games um because both that and Colossa I don't know if you noticed but when you're talking about them you're talking about the way they encourage you to navigate their spaces. Um, yeah. and to look around. And that is the hardest challenge, easily the hardest challenge in VR. The hardest mm. challenge in VR is not trying to stop people feeling sick. It's not, um, you know, trying to squeeze the best graphics out because you don't have to anyway. You just have to make mm-hmm. it, you know, find a, you know, a visually interesting style that you can do. But, you know, the, the, the absolute hardest thing is getting people to look Well, it's not so much getting people to look where you want them to look at the right time. I mean, that's part of it, but it's it's engineering the spaces so that people are free to look around. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, there will always be times where you do want someone to look in a particular place at a particular time. And Mm -hmm. one thing I've... I found uh, at least, you know, personally, I, I, in fact, I know it's not just a personal thing. I know a lot, I've spoken to a lot of developers that have had similar issues. Um, it, it's very hard to get people to look where you want them to, because you could have the dullest room in the world. You could have an empty room, gray, no textures with a table in the middle. And then you could have fireworks with ninjas and helicopters in the corner of the room. And people <laughs> will still be looking at the speck of dust in the other corner. You know, it, it's just, it's so frustrating <laughs> as a developer to see it, you know, but it happens. And, um, yeah, yeah. So you've got to try and find ways to kind of direct people's uh, line of sight where you want it. And um, um, yeah, I mean, more, more recently I've been playing with, I mean, something I haven't seen um, people doing, uh, developers doing, and I'm, I'm trying at the moment, so here you go, exclusive, <laughs> is using time dilation. So, and it's working pretty well. I took, I took Em to an event, a very small event, but a really cool event, um, on Saturday. In fact, mm-hmm. here's a plug. It's called Sessions. It's by Byte Entertainment. And the, this, uh, first one was in aid of a charity called Best Beginnings, which helps families, um, And does really great work with things like uh, postnatal depression and has a a great app called Baby Buddy. But anyway, um, but yeah, so I took him there, and most of the people there weren't gamers and they played it. So it was great to see them doing it. And one of these things I wanted to. Uh, to find out was how do people well, you know where do people look and one of the things that one of the, the new gameplay mechanics I'd implemented in part of it is having this time dilation so things move around you as normal and there are mm. certain points of interest and certain things that I want people to catch and what I'd done is I'd made time slow down to a tenth speed when people looked in the opposite direction so they could still freely explore and it was really mm. unlikely that they'd miss anything and it seemed to work quite well and but it's interesting hearing you talk about those two games and how they're you know encouraging people to navigate and you know their environment and to and, and to and to keep their attention with that orb as mm. you say and you know and, and even things like that and to picking the random doors i'm sure that's you know that that was a very conscious decision and it wasn't just mm. for the atmosphere um yeah you know but it's uh, so i think there's a lot of great and inventive work being done in vr at the moment um and i think and people have been really really clever about it um, um But it's not obvious. And when it's not obvious, that's when it works best. You know, it's Mm. a bit like visual effects. If you don't notice it's visual effects, then that's good visual effects. And it's the same thing in VR. If you don't feel like you're being forced to look at something, and that your freedom's been taken away in this world, but you're still looking at what you need to be looking at, then it's a success, and that's really hard to do. When are you making the Firework Ninja game? (laughs) (laughs) Next week. (laughs) Great. (laughs) But no one's going to see it, because everyone's going to be looking at the speck of dust in the
1: other corner of the room. (laughs) (laughs) The final game that I've been playing this week is Space Plan, which, as I said, has been published by Devolver Digital. It is a clicker game, but it's not a bad one. Um, I have previously went off on rants. Oh. <laughs> uh, Abyssrium, you will live down in infamy as a terrible, terrible game. Um, Egg Inc. was another clicker game, but I kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Space Plan takes all the bad things about clicker games and kind of takes them out of the equation. Um, I'm it's clicking. what, two, <laughs> well, there's still some clicking but that's not necessarily the bad thing. Um, space Plan is... It's actually a story-based clicker game, which makes for a more interesting thing. It's not just about getting the rewards or clicking enough times to upgrade, although that is part of the mechanical and have you, but there is still a narrative um, going on in the background. Basically, you are an astronaut who has returned to Earth, basically to find the planet dead, and trying to work out why. Um, Your computer um, comes up with various novel ideas and um, potential things and tries loading up programs and things, none of which seem to work. But then eventually a potato-related program (laughs) starts up. A potato-related program? A potato-related program, yes. Was this Portal 2 you were playing? (laughs) (laughs) Surprisingly, no. And... So then there's various things. You start up solar panels and there are spud lights and there are um they're upgrading the potatoes to Maris Pipers and better potatoes <laughs> and um even better potatoes. There's a little bit later on where you have to um start using actually shooting at targets. Um so there is and you With spud guns. With potato wedges, <laughs> 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 which you then upgrade into spicy paprika potato wedges. <laughs> uh,
2: please please say you level up
1: to Spadulica. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that happens. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> uh, but basically, the sort of conceit is that you try and sort of make the mass of the sun so big that it eventually turns into a black hole to therefore try and reverse time to get back to where the Earth was before you left and before everybody died. And suddenly you are in the middle of a potato nation um, on Earth and it all gets very bizarre. So you then go out into the planets and try and sort of reverse what, had happened to try and get back to the original universe as opposed to a different parallel universe that you have seemingly ended up in and once you've done all of that it all goes in the way of a very particular and very well known sci-fi film which I'll not name so as not to give out any spoilers but as I say The game has a narrative, it has a story running through it, it has an end, which is very surprising for a clicker game. And put it this way, I am now on my second playthrough on iOS, and I have picked it up on PC as well, and... On iOS, I had been playing with no sound um, because I was just sort of playing at tea breaks um, in work, so didn't have any headphones or anything plugged in. I bought it on PC because it was two pounds, and I bought the soundtrack pack as well. And the soundtrack is great. Um, it's available on Bandcamp. I can't remember off the top of my head who the composer is, but if you search "Space Plan" and Bandcamp, it will come up. Um, and it's. It's a great little game. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. I want to say the fact that I've now picked it up on iOS and on PC um, says an awful lot about... Uh, possibly about how cheap it is. As I say, £2 is for nothing, really, and considering you're getting an actual um, game experience out of that um, with a start, middle, and an end. And it's completable over, I would say, possibly two to three days. Um, the sort of your... Clicker, Bit or whatever, regenerates once you get to a certain level and what have you, generates itself. Um, not a huge amount, but it's enough to be generous um, with it, so you'll actually definitely progress the next time you log on. Um, you'll get a certain amount of upgrades and things that you'll easily have uh, the actual currency for um, to progress the game whenever you get logged back in again. It's just a great little game and would definitely be my lapse Gamer recommendation. Um, just because it is, it just appeals um, so nicely it's so nicely laid out there's a little bit of humour and everything to it and just very very good I'm very impressed with it and I think that's only recently out maybe last week um, possibly the week before I can't believe
2: the jump you've done. You've gone from slagging off clicker games (laughs) to actually recommending one. (laughs) This sounds like he's got the the plot to Superman in Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) I am recommending a
1: good one. I am not going to recommend a bad one. Um, Yeah.
0: It's great to see but, inventive games like that, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that, 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 that's part of the great thing about indie games is that, you know, you get so much yeah. experimentation. And that's really Definitely. How, how did you feel a couple of years ago with, you know, do you remember the Steam Summer Sale where there was a clicker game running through it?
1: I um, Did I see that or not? I can't remember. It, it was like an alien probably game. probably got it.
0: <laughs> Well, no, it was it was it was on Steam itself. Steam so.
1: sales, yeah, they they do like a special um sort of thing usually during the summers or during some of the sales where you get um you build up points and things depending on purchases and things like that or by logging on but yeah I think I vaguely do remember the clicker game within that I don't think I paid an awful lot of attention to it at the time I'm on that one
0: I'm not a huge fan of clickers but I mean you know it, it was a steam summer set I thought ah, I'll give it a go you know win in Rome <laughs> yeah. and I, you know before I knew it half an hour had passed and I'd just been clicking crazy like crazy and I was like what the hell am I doing like Valve you've yeah. done it again you
1: swines <laughs> <laughs> No, there are terrible clicker games. And as I say, Abyssrium is definitely um, my pick of that bunch. The fact that it's not just a clicker game, but the fact that it's demanding of you to post pictures up onto your social media and what have you to therefore um, advertise the game well, uh, it, to get more people. Here's playing, a question it for you guys. Awful.
0: If I made a clicker game, which is about someone clicking in a clicker game, so it's just... Oh, very messy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see where I'm going with this? <laughs> so if it was a clicker game where you're just essentially clicking the mouse, you know, w- would you buy it for a penny? For a penny? Stuart probably would. <laughs> I think it's one of those things that could go viral. I think, and I, I, think, so I, I think I might do this. So next week, you know, Clicker a game, where <laughs> it's just you clicking a mouse, you know, in a game about clicking a mouse. Just get a gif of Stuart doing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You so know what, actually, see if they that made that part of the Stanley parable. I would have done it. Mm. <laughs> so it would have. Yes, that would have yeah. been good. You know, yeah. suddenly you're you're just <laughs> clicking there. You've been sitting clicking for ages. Suddenly the lights just go out round you as everybody else yeah. is away home. <laughs> 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 would have been really interesting.
0: Oh, you, you mentioned Stanley Parable at Res. Uh, William Pugh was there, um, uh-huh. who's obviously one of the co-creators of Stanley Parable, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it uh, was very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, he was all, he he was doing a talk and. uh, yeah, everyone just kept asking about Stanley Parable. Now he's doing other things. Obviously, he's doing great <laughs> stuff with Crows, Crows, Crows. But just yes. poor guy. Everyone just kept asking about Stanley Parable. He just he, you know, he made a joke about it. But it, you know, it got to the point where it was just like, yeah, can anyone ask something that's not about Stanley Parable? You
2: know? <laughs> Everybody goes
0: quiet. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It's a uh, bit like any time anybody talks to Mike Bithel. You know, they're obviously talking about yeah. like, Thomas was alone. I think it's just one of those things that you get known for a game, and it's kind of tough to break out of that. But it's whether or not it's how you. Embrace it to an extent um, as well you know Mike jokingly says that you know is um, he's determined to try and get everybody on the planet with at least a code even if they never actually <laughs> use that code it's got to be good from a
2: developer's point of view though when they've got that level of acceptance you know where everybody absolutely loves the game oh, yeah. you know it, it, the Fair enough, you, you're going to find it tough to fetch out your difficult second album. But mm. the fact that you've actually got that there, you know, you've you've already made that impact. You know, you think, well, even if everything else turns out to be an absolute pile of shit, you know, I've done fine so far, you know, and um, people are still going to remember me for this amazing thing.
0: Yeah, it probably depends on your outlook on life, doesn't it? I mean, some people will, will, will say, well, I've, you know, I've done this great thing. Loads of people have embraced it. They love it. Brilliant you know and, and be happy with that but i i reckon that there'll be an equally large proportion of people who'll be like well you know um nothing's ever as good uh, you yes. know. yeah onwards not upwards. yeah
1: yeah one of the i think the best quotes that i ever heard of, heard about the music industry was you have a lifetime to make your first album but you've got six months to make your next one
0: well the thing is you have to as well you have to i mean it it if you're looking at it from a business point of view as well, I mean, you know, developers want to make great games, right? Because Mm, developers love making great games, but it's still a business. You still got to put food on the table. So, you know, you you make your first one. um, And then, I I mean, I I haven't released the first one yet, so I'm assuming here, but I'm assuming, you you know, yeah, it's all an assumption, but I can see how, how, you know, how it will probably play out. It's, uh, you you make your first one and if it is a success, you're going to want to follow it up reasonably, Uh, you're going to want to fart reasonably soon after with, um, you know, uh, uh, your second one because you want to ride that wave of momentum. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You've got to have a one too. Well, it's like Jonas was saying that, um, uh, you know, they'd got so many people that he'd moved over onto his plan B, if you like, Mm. his next project. They were already moving people onto that, you know, and you think, well, yeah, that makes complete sense, you know, because you're pretty much ready to go to market with one thing, you know, you want to be getting ready, you know, to give him an uppercut with the next yeah, thing. There's
1: no, there's no point sort of saying, right, well, that's that one. I, let's start from scratch again on something where I, <laughs> yeah. you know. Especially because games to take so long something- to make, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You need to have something embryonic. Well, you could argue it's the same in the movie industry as well. Sure, yeah. like Peter Jackson putting uh, all the Lord of the Rings back to back. Yeah. You know, and actually sort of filming them. You've got everybody in the one place anyway. Yeah. Uh, it makes yeah. sense to do um, everything together.
2: Oh, it's like Pixar. You know, you look at Pixar and think, oh, well, yeah. they, they're talking about it making, taking six years to make a film. Yep. And you're thinking, well, how the hell have you got so many films coming out then? Yeah. And you think, oh, hang on, wait, they're not doing one at a time, are they? Oh,
0: right. Yeah. It's yeah. overlap. Yeah. you know. But I mean, what Pixar do is great because they make one sequel followed by one new IP, don't they? Um, you know, um, yeah, very clever. So you know, they know that financially they're going to stay solvent, and they, or you know, they're a Pixar; and they could they could burn half their money and they'll be fine. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I love Pixar stuff, um, but I'm, I'm I you know, and I, I know that. You know, Cars is something that's really close to John Lester's heart. And it was, it was, you know, the, the thing he really wanted to make right from the beginning. Um, but I, I'm kind of disappointed that a new Cars is the next film rather than, you know, well, there's a couple of films announced, aren't there? But, um, rather than Incredibles 2. But, uh, yeah. Although, hang on. Hasn't Incredibles 2 been announced?
1: It has, it has been I remember. Nice yeah case, it has but yeah i'm nearly sure it was at least listed in their sort of upcoming titles and what have you but obviously it's probably at least maybe 3 years down the line maybe um ish so, Great.
2: So I'm going to be 50 then when I'm going to the pictures to see Cars 3.
1: Fantastic.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to look weird at all, am I? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
2: a bloke over there in the Mac. Can you ask him to leave,
1: please? <laughs> no more weird than usual, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, but the thing is, is that there'll be a whole generation of creepy old men in the cinema. So, you know, you, you won't yeah, be
1: good alone. point. <laughs> <laughs> a whole generation of creepy old men in game stores. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Hang on, that, that's already happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> uh
2: on that note kyle what have you been playing oh well sticking with indies basically um i'm playing type rider which was out on ps plus this month mm-hmm. and it's a game from 2013 uh that was out on windows android and ios mm-hmm. missed it completely didn't know anything about it um, but it's another gem from PS Plus this month. It's a typographic video game and by Bullypix where you play what looks like an oversized colon bouncing its way <laughs> through the evolution of the written word in a 2D side-scroller. It's just bizarre. <laughs> You've got like a foreground of silhouette mm. and then just historic pictures drifting behind you mm. and then interactive letters and stuff that pop up. It's great. <laughs> um, apparently, it's a pretty short game. Which explains why it's actually got a scoreboard for speedruns, which is something I've not seen on anything else. Yeah, no, it's not often you would get that. It's quite a novelty. Yeah. Something that actively encourages speedrunning. I can't say I've experienced. I'm about halfway through, I think. Uh, There's ten books, and each takes you through the uh, progression of the alphabet and um, typography and everything, basically. Right from Stone Age up to... Now it's great, I'm loving it.
1: Yeah, I think I have played this, I think possibly on Android. Um, yeah, enjoyable enough. Even I'm um, just using touchscreen controls. Um, yeah, I could see fun. it working with touchscreen. Yeah, yeah, it's simple enough that it could work with touchscreen. It's not too, um, sort of control heavy and what have you. It's basically left and right and jump. Um, so mm. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it's, and there's a bit of a rotate thing. Yeah. um, but yeah, it's works fine um lovely sound effects um mm. sound effects i say it's sound effects but it's kind of soundtrack as well it's really weird to explain until you've actually heard it uh it's kind of a hybrid and i'm all about sound and um, this <laughs> is really punching buttons for me You're very good and the only other thing I've played to any sort of extent, apart from Stardew Valley, which is all Mark's fault, and I hate <laughs> him for it, and I am going to burn his house down, <laughs> is um, Lego City Undercover on PS4. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. Another Lego game. Way. Who'd have thunk it?
0: Lego's great. Um,
2: <laughs> the, only th- the only thing I can really say about this is that um, it's finally gone got a working copy out there.
1: Um, <laughs> Not a ridiculously slow loading game. Oh, God. But yeah. well, it
2: released on Wii U in 2013. It's taken four years now, and they finally got it right. But LEGO games
0: are notoriously buggy, aren't they? I mean, oh, I God, love yeah, LEGO games, is... but, you know, yes. they, they, they are released, you know, a few months early, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <It's> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> f- well, this one we released four years early. I mean, that's just taking the piss. <laughs> So, are you there with a stopwatch? You know, just <laughs> 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 hovering on the load screen. I've well, I've been for this
2: one because it was so notorious that before I'd even started playing it, I thought, right, I'm going to watch for this. And yeah, oh, yes. Oh, my God, you are so right. And um, it got to the point where it's been so game-breaking that I've give up on both the Wii U and the Switch. Mm. And moved to the PS4, and I've only got to, I think it's about the third or fourth level. And I'm already way ahead of where I was on either one of the old platforms. It's the only game I've started three times and finally got somewhere. But I've got to the part now where you go to Albatross Island Prison. Albatross Island? Yeah, Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you talk to a character called Blue, who is not Morgan Freeman, <laughs> to avoid any sort of <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> lawsuits. but sounds
1: ridiculously like him. Yeah. Yes,
2: <laughs> it's more than Freeman, basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's not the Shawshank Redemption um, prison or plot, or anything honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's a really enjoyable game and it's exactly what you expect from a Lego game. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I can see why it's been so highly rated. You know, it is a cracking game, mm-hmm. as they've always done. But for them to go with a brand new IP that doesn't depend on any sort of massive franchise, you know, it's, it's quite a brave move. Brave move in 2013 even more brave now in 2017 when they've done so much with Dimensions and stuff like that yeah but yeah it fa- it finally works and I think it's because it's a game that does demand the power of something like a PS4 it should never have been out on something <laughs> so woefully underpowered before like Nintendo stuff
1: I think the one thing that is missing is a co-op mode um, I think yes. that's, that's the only real down point of it. Otherwise, it's basically <laughs> like a, it's a it's a Lego GTA, you know. It's, it is, um, yeah. A lot of people have said that, and I, it's um, a fair assessment of it, and it works really well. Um, but yeah, there's just no co-op mode.
2: It is weird that there is no co-op mode, but <laughs> um, when you've got a three-year-old that's quite aggressive, it's surprising <laughs> how much control she does get from you on that <laughs> one. But yeah, so I've, I've already done about 20% of it. It's going to take me about another year to actually complete it because Lego games are like that.
1: Oh, there's a ridiculous amount in this oh, one. Oh, yes. Usually you look at the gold brick list and it's maybe sort of 250 <laughs> or so. I think this one's...
2: 465. What? Oh,
1: I was going to say, I have to, have to put in more then on the Wii U because it was at least 350. Um, if not, <laughs> it's crazy. to oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But it is it is good fun.
2: I've got the Lego City Phone Pack on order, which I mentioned earlier because he's probably the greatest superhero that's arrived on the scene since Batman. <laughs> um, I did try to explain that neither one of these are superheroes, um, but you try and explain that to a three-year-old. I was told that
0: both of them could fly, so that makes them superheroes. So <laughs> I've got to go with it. I remember, because I, I play a lot of Lego games with my with my with one of my little ones, and um, yeah. he's almost four now, but we've been playing since about two and a half. <laughs> yeah, and he he loves the Lego games. But when we were playing Lego Marvel, Lego Marvel Superheroes, he yes. um we unlocked one of the minions, like just just the character that didn't do any, You know, he was just one of the mm. filler characters, the NPCs that just you know mm. fired a gun and that was it. You know. But he convinced himself that this character was the fastest character in the game and he called him Speedy. <laughs> so now this character is no longer Minion number 071 or whatever. He's Speedy and he's his own superhero. And I love the way kids do that, you know? They, yeah. they just find the joy in anything and just, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Lego games really, really, you know, let them do that.
2: It's a shame. There's rumors going around that the next wave, which is Powerpuff Girls. Titan Force or Mm -hmm. something like that and um, Beetlejuice once those packs are out that's 2017 finished and Mm. it's possible that that's Lego itself you know Lego Dimensions over with it's a going to be a shame because it has been my game of the year uh, last year year (laughs) and the year before (laughs) Uh, well you know it's been in there it's been like 1 and 2 I think and it'll (sighs) probably still rank quite highly
1: this year as well because there's still tons to do I was going to say, um, even with buying a Switch, it's probably accounted for at least 90% of your expenditure on <laughs> It does, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and this is two years into it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just one of those things, isn't it? You can just dip back into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to get a lot more um, users over this next six months mm-hmm. because... You've seen stuff like hot UK deals. They're always showing you stuff like Tesco that are kicking them out at like one pound. And you're thinking, hang on, this is a Lego set. Yeah. You know, thought you're going to get a whole new user base out there because you're going to be able to collect all this stuff that was pretty overpriced. You know, and suddenly you're going to be able to get right up to speed. You're going to get enough sets at least to finish the story. Mm Mm-hmm you know, and and do quite a chunk of the massive amount
1: of gold bricks that are on Dimensions. Mm. You'd posted up just under your Twitter feed that you were having some issues with Dimensions, though? Yes. Something to do with the new patch or whatever that came out?
2: Yeah, now, the the patch seems to have taken stuff away. Now, I'm not sure whether they've just done this inadvertently, but... um, the support was pretty quick at actually getting back to me, mm-hmm. and it's for a Teen Titan Force figure, um, the Raven, Oh, okay. and um, apparently it's not there yet because it's still to be confirmed, you know, yeah. it's still to be released, so yeah. that's why nothing else is showing, oh, I've okay. just got a blank circle, but it just means that I've got an 18 pack that I can't finish just yet. Which is quite annoying.
1: The other one interesting piece of news that came out today basically is that Lego Marvel Superheroes two um, will be released in November. Uh, yes. Yes.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be have Dingleback Cumber Snatch uh, the voice to it.
1: <laughs> um, I haven't seen any of the um reports. what have you just saw it, um briefly on Twitter earlier. An interesting one. I think a lot of people had said that the Avengers um, got a fair amount of criticism for just being a bit dull. Um, but nah, everybody, all right. yeah, everybody is hoping sort of for a little bit of a return to form for the standalone um, Lego games. Um, Whereas, they mentioned obviously one of those ones that just keeps growing. Um, yeah, a standalone one. I think a lot of people are hoping for something a little bit more um, of Marvel superheroes too. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it.
2: Well, it looked like it got guardians on it, so it should have quite a lot of the sort of typical Lego humour.
1: Yeah, well, taking just ta- removing it from the sort of more singular or more compact Avengers universe and just putting it into the Marvel uh, universe does give them an awful lot more to do. Um, You've got a hell a know, of a lot scope potential. Yeah, definitely. Mm um So it'll be very interesting to see what they do with it.
2: Yeah, needless to say, me and Andy were losing a shit this afternoon. Yeah, we, we, were. This. <laughs> we were.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, the amount of hours that you know I, I've put into Lego Marvel Superheroes One with my little one is just crazy. I mean, he made me unlock Deadpool. <laughs> I mean, if, if you've played it, you know what you've got to do to unlock Deadpool. It's ridiculous. You know, you've got to jump through a lot of hoops, <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and Silver Surfer. I mean, that that was another one that was a pain because he never shows up where he's supposed to show up, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not very clear what kind of side missions you've got to do before he shows up. But um, mm. but yeah, no, really looking forward to it. Really, really looking forward to it, and it had a great roster last time. Um, I I was really impressed by how many, you know, Marvel heroes were in it. And so if, you know, if Marvel heroes two can up the ante, I mean, even better, you know, and 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 this is great. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing that the Marvel Lego games do better than the DC ones is that they appeal to kids more. um, Yeah. And they're easier to play over long periods. um, Whereas a a couple of the DC ones, I think, you know, lost their way a tiny bit in areas. And, um, Mm and got a bit yeah a bit too dark for kids uh, you know mm. and i'm not just talking thematically i mean just actually that aesthetically dark you know mm. <laughs> yes. um, and, it, and and that's great for certain types of games but it's a bit overbearing when you're trying to play a game with a little one well is just, it lego batman 2 that takes place completely at night that's the one i'm thinking of mainly, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's yeah it's yeah. <laughs> just weird yeah and it, and, it, and it, it's hard to find stuff and it's just a bit yeah but um i i think the lego games are great overall but i think yeah lego batman 2 in particular just kind of lost its way a bit um mm. but you know but the marvel games in you know in general i, I think do it slightly better um mm-hmm. even even the way the characters control i you know um yeah. I, I know a lot of the stuff gets carried over you know and, and a lot of the stuff's the same in the dc and the marvel uh, the marvel lego games but um you know especially the way the characters fly i think is slightly better in the marvel games than the dc games but
1: Yes. of out of the games that you played then, which one would you recommend?
0: I would like to say
2: Lego City Undercover, but yeah, I'd probably go for Typewriter because um, it's just such an easy thing to get into. Mm -hmm. The fact that you can actually play it on your mobile, which I didn't even know about until I started looking into it a bit further, Mm -hmm. um, it just makes a hell of a lot of sense. Um, I know that I've got them with Vita as well, I've not even touched that yet. So, thinking about the uh, touch controls. That could work quite well on that screen. Mm-hmm. I do love the Mavita screen for that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, we have kind of covered um some of the news that has come out this week with um, Al- yeah, Al <laughs> delisted and uh, Lego Marvel Superheroes two being announced. One quick thing of note is that. Um, it has been announced today, and it was all over my Twitter for the past couple of days. Everybody seemed to be going on about this classic um, PlayStation title called Symphony. <laughs> yes! <laughs> it turns out that this was a ridiculously clever marketing scheme um, by the developers and what have you. They either had an awful lot of people in on the joke um, about it and were sort of promoting it as you know a classic game that they'd picked up Um Finally, and it's going for like ridiculous sums on like eBay, garage sales, and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it's now <laughs> up on the US um, PSN site on PS3, PS Vita, and it's down to three point fifty. And even I was suckered into this; I was so very close to trying to find out how to set up a US um, PSN title. But apparently, it's a JRPG that never existed, um, but is now currently available on the HIO we- um, web page. This is. Um, it's made by yeah. It's made by Sophia Park and Penelope Evans. Um, I had a very quick look at it on my um, phone, so I'm not sure if it's a graphical um, sort of interactive thing. It looks to be a developed with Twine, but they've put a lot more um, work and what have you into the backgrounds and things of it. It's not just a plain back in black background and um, sort of text based and what have you and there's actually a little bit more to it it appears to be free from what i can tell as well um they're obviously being itch um they do a very good job of people putting up free games but there is a donate button there um, for anybody who liked it they deserve some money for their marketing campaign of it yeah it's absolutely deserve kudos it's so hard to stand
0: out as a developer, yeah, you know, it's genius. Yeah. It's just pure genius. Yep. The, it's yeah, it, it's
1: the fact that yeah, the fact that on Twitter they have had people holding CD cases, um, <laughs> making this look like it basically like a, a you know a Final Fantasy game of that yeah. era. Um, with it the does look convincing. It really, really does. You know, with the PlayStation <laughs> and things, um, and the fact that somebody obviously then mocked up a PSN page and everything for it is genius. <laughs> it really, really is. Um, you know, it's rare that things like this come along. So many games are sort of, you know, pre-announced and what have you. I'm actually amazed that the E3 rumours and things have been so quiet recently, but it's not that far away, and I'm sure there will be leaks um, coming into this, so kudos to them for doing this um, genius absolutely genius mm.
2: <laughs> I wonder how many people have just gone yeah I've finished that back in 96 <laughs> uh, <96." laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Japanese RPG that might have got a US release um, if, <laughs> if in very limited numbers of course I've played it one of the spin-offs absolutely. of the Final Fantasy series absolutely <laughs> great
0: <laughs> well I mentioned to you guys before we started didn't I about the the, the guy who made up all those facts about my from yes. Mars and yes. he was he was in charge of uh, I think running the IMD of curating the IMDB page or was it uh, the wiki or something anyway and he just made up yeah. all these characters and made up these episodes and then there's people writing <laughs> oh this is my favourite episode ever and I love it when that character did this and that and then there's people looking for these episodes to archive and
1: they never existed. He came out and just said, "Look, I made it all up. You know, you, you're all full <laughs> of shit." <laughs> yeah, it's things like that that are genius. And okay, yes, they are fake news, but they're the good type of fake news. Yeah, and uh, to get messages out like that is uh, it's very, very good. The kind
0: know. that won't result in nuclear war. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, anyway, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. moving swiftly on. Yeah. So that basically finishes the show. For for tonight. Uh, Andy, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, and thank you very much. We, um, By the looks of things, our next couple of scheduled episodes, we um, seem to be running sort of a little bit of a uh, developers um, thing throughout May. It's marathon. And, uh, yeah. yeah. It's um, really nice to see, and it's really nice for us to be able to engage um, with the developers and what have you as well. Um, I know you're still working on your first game as such, but um, it's still really nice to hear um, sort of a little bit about your background. As I say, Previously, we usually do sort of shout outs at this stage for any of our listeners and things like that. But as you are on as a special guest, go ahead and do a little bit of self-promotion. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, everyone buy in when it comes out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I want to say, no, honestly, thank
1: you to you guys, first of all, because
0: um, it's um, I, I really appreciate you having me on uh, on the show. You've got a great show here. And uh, thank you. And you. Yeah, uh, can I, rather than give myself a plug, I think I plugged myself enough throughout this, but can I, <laughs> can I plug, can I plug a student developer? Um, yeah, of course, go ahead. She's called Ailee McLeod, um, spelled E I L I D H McLeod, uh, M A C L E O D, and she's making a game called Recover uh which is in vr and it's um it's aimed at um exploring how vr can be used to uh treat ptsd so uh yeah uh find her check her out um yeah Mm -hmm. there you go
1: excellent thank you very much um as always kev it has been a pleasure as well
0: (laughs) 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 never a (laughs) your you
1: didn't sound like you meant that stuart <laughs> it it. Yeah. That's the
2: most sincere you
1: can ever sound. <laughs> As a podcast we all get on fairly well together, so it's basically it this is, is yeah, that we're we're all have an extended midlife crisis that we're just gonna be recording <laughs> <laughs> So we are. Uh, it's definitely a little bit of group therapy sometimes as well. Cool. Um <laughs> And well, I, I'm looking forward to the LGR meetup uh, later in the year um, whenever yeah. we all descend onto Birmingham. Um, <laughs> Birmingham, <laughs> which is what it's called now. <laughs> uh, to celebrate our love of games. Uh, so, yes, thank you very much, Kev. And thank you very much, Andy. And goodbye. Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Job Smith is about to enter the world of virtual reality.